Today on The Detail, a tale of two gang towns. One where meth-dealing intruders were swiftly dispatched. The Timaru District Council today confirmed it has bought a property long used as a gang pad and immediately demolished the building. And another where the patched are still whānau, who will be extended the hand of friendship no matter what the outside narrative is. I've been for a drive this afternoon down the road to where the majority of the Mungra Mob are congregating and it's a very family-orientated feel. I mean, there's a lot of gang members there in patches, don't get me wrong, but they're respectfully mourning for one of their own that's passed. Kia ora, I'm Alexia Russell. Opotiki in the North Island, Timaru in the South. Opotiki where, when I asked how the town was dealing with gangs, I was told in no uncertain terms I was asking the wrong question. That's completely the wrong narrative. The kupu is, how do we support our, our gang whānau within towns, within cities? Because that, that dealing corridor sounds very persecutive, very condemning. And Timaru, where crowds gathered and cheered as diggers ripped into the rebels' HQ. Oh yeah, look, there was about 100, 100 of people on the day and they were loving it. And look, the amount of uh, texts and emails and responses we've had from the community uh, and the joke is, you know, how, how, can, how can local government move so fast? Um, and it was, not, it was nice to be able to do something, um, you know, really positive uh, for our community. That's Mayor Nigel Bowen, and we'll come back to his story soon. But as he says... I I think it's a model that can work elsewhere, uh, but it won't suit every situation. And Opotiki is the town that's hit the news most recently, sparking dramatic headlines, opportunistic politicians and biting commentary. Police in Opotiki say they're in control, despite gang tensions in the Bay of Plenty town becoming political. Numerous gang members are there for the funeral of mongrel mob leader Stephen Tayatini. He was killed on Friday night and police are still hunting those responsible. We've had up to 50 extra staff in Opotiki the last few days and tomorrow that's ramping up to 100. It is utterly unacceptable a town is shut down in New Zealand because a gang came to town. Unacceptable. We've seen time and time again gang members taking over public spaces, public roads, abusing members of the public, assaulting members of the public. The old Apotiki Mayor David Moray, uh, he's sick of reporters, sick of reporters. Uh, reporters were the ones who just... All those pictures you saw of the gangs, the smoke, the gunshots, the arrests, the closed highways, that was a figment of your imagination. That was, that, that was on the media. They got that completely wrong. It's become a political football, he says, old David Moore. Yes, well, Mayor David Moore wouldn't speak to me either for this podcast. As Mike Hosking says, he's sick of reporters. But the council works closely with local iwi Te here, And Trust Board member Tekahotu Maxwell was happy to korero about whakapapa, manakitanga and working with the Opotiki District Council. And yes, those things are gang-related. Since the death of Tiwana, our nephew, um, we've been working very closely with the, we form what we call the Runanga Nui. And all members of our community have a position on this unconstituted body that was needed because of urgency and safety. So the council, the mayor has been sitting on this, on this Runanga Nui since the Sunday after Tiwana was killed. And so has the police, and so has experts and clinicians and technicians within our community with regard to 
mental health, with regard to providing social services to the old. Um, we've had the Ministry of Education and principals sitting on this runanga because we all have skin in the game. You're trying to all be on the same page when it comes to dealing with Well, we are issues. not trying to. We are. Mm. We are all on the same page because we we have, as I said, we have, we have an invested interest in our town staying, remaining standing up and not being burnt to the ground. Mm. And mm. our people that live here not becoming corpses in a cemetery. So, and the mayor is also Fakatoya, who's Māori, so he has real skin in the game. Joining our conversation was Wata Heathcote, who works with gangs across the wider region. He's a navigator, a mediator. His work is about keeping Fano safe. When you're talking about Fano uh, connected to the gang space, I actually take it one step back from there, and uh, what actually connects us is Fakapapa. What connects us is Fano first and foremost before they lead down that track of becoming um, a gang member. But I, I suppose what we've actually got to realise in terms of what we're facing, um, all they're wanting uh, our Fano is to have a, a sense of belonging to something. And what's coming across in, in the media uh, and, and political sector is a view from the outside not actually understanding what's going on in the inside. And so I'm pretty clear uh, when it comes to whānau in, in this uh, particular um, space, um, we must give them that opportunity to also be the voice uh, for who they are uh, within their communities in a pro-social and equal way. So rather than sort of condemnation from on high acknowledging them as part of the community. Absolutely. That's actually what they want to be a part of. And um, how does this go hand in hand with, you know, you don't you don't earn a patch by helping old ladies across the road. How does that go hand in hand with some of the more unsavoury aspects that gangs are renowned for? Yeah, again, when we talk unsavoury, that depends on perspective and assumption. The nefarious acts um, that um, that happen within um, that particular space, it's very, very easy to tarnish those that were within the gangs with the same brush. But I'm telling you, um, as a person that works with these people across multiple sectors, is that they are not all the same. What I will share is that 80% of our whānau are looking for change. They're looking for somewhere to reach out to for help. The 20% that continue to sit on the hill or continue to sit in the darkness will come you know, to the, the attention of the authorities. And that's exactly what needs to happen. What I'm saying is that there are actually 80% that are looking for change, that are reaching out for help, We've got that opportunity to do that collectively. Well, while remaining within the 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 setting of their gang families, because they, ha- they, as you said, they need that sense of belonging. Absolutely, um, sense of belonging 
their sense of belonging might might look different to the to the normal Joe blog in the community in terms of sense of belonging. But what you what we need to understand and what society needs to understand is that these people have been deprived yeah. and continue to be deprived. The mayor's understanding of that situation and his refusal to act the outraged civic leader was a trigger for politicians and commentators. The person that's deceased this year is, a, is a, one of our locals, so there's whānau that are, are grieving. Um, they don't know who's done this, so they're obviously a little bit angry and, and, and hoping that police sort of come, you know, find out who's done this and resolve it as quick as possible. So there is some heightened concern in the community. There is a gang aspect to this. Um, but they are members of our community, so um, I've been working the last two days with our local iwi and, and the local police, trying to approach this the best way we can as, as leaders from across the community to try and calm the situation and, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, no further things happen. But the local cops were singing from the same sheet. We apologise for the disruption to the public, but it, it is what it is, and we'll be managing that so everyone is able to mourn respectfully and the public, as much as we can, won't be overly inconvenienced. I believe that the smaller the communities are, the more intimacy there is in terms of understanding. But when you're in a big wide scope in the, in the bigger cities, it becomes a, a topic of discussion because of the lack of understanding. Don't get me wrong, I'm not here to support the, the, the behaviours of, of what has been seen. Um, what I'm here sharing is that um, it's easy to get yourself caught up into a lot of bravado that, that can be seen and then becoming a part of that. But as I'm saying is that it's not, um, it, it, what you're seeing doesn't actually portray what's actually going on in that in that particular space. And that needs to be um, the clear messaging that, that I'm sharing with you today, as well as Arangatira here to Te Kahotu, is that um, let's, not, um, let's not judge. It's easy to judge when you're on the outside. Mm. It's easy to judge when you're living a good life. It's easy to judge when you're a high income earner. It's easy to judge when, you know, you don't have to live day by day. So it's about being able to understand the shoes and the complexities that these whānau sit in every second of the day and night, every second. What our whānau are reaching out for is that level of support um, they're not all organised criminals, definitely not, and you're hearing that from a person that works with them, but it's a behavioural issue that we're um, navigating and actually been a huge amount of change, to be honest, in our space, in terms of um, pro-social um, behaviours. You know, the, the corridor around methamphetamine, yep, the authorities will continue to deal with those, but I tell you right now, not all gangsters are doing that. OK, let's turn now to some gangs who are doing that. We're talking about methamphetamine now, who are muscling in on the territory of traditional Kiwi gangs. Gangs that have stepped up, moved in and patched over their rivals, like on Nigel Bowen's territory, Timaru. Uh, about a year ago, we had the headhunters come in and patch over an old gang, which was called the Road Knights. So Timaru historically has had two gangs, one being the Road Knights and the other being the Devil's Henchmen, and they're gangs that date back to the 70s. And so most of them are, are now, you know, their retirement age, uh, the ones that are left from the Devil's Henchmen, you would call themselves a motorcycle, you know, club uh, versus a gang, um, you know, that's up for interpretation, of course. But, um, 
the road nights that were patched over by the headhunters, a local business and businessman uh, bought that land and uh, trespassed them and, and said, uh, you know, you're gone. And so they actually moved on uh, relatively ease, easily. This experience prompted the council to focus on another gang pad across four properties in Washdyke. It was a fortified devil's henchman club, which last month was forcibly taken over by the rebels. We'd done some due diligence prior to that and we knew the risks. So when the opportunity presented itself, uh, it was pitched over, I think, on over one weekend. And the weekend after, we were looking at, hey, what are some of the levers we can pull? Uh, we knew that we could purchase, and if we were to purchase it, we needed to move quite quickly. Timaru District Council has finished buying a series of former gang properties in Washdyke. Last month, the purchases of four Meadows Road properties, valued at more than $2 million, was unanimously ratified by the council. Mayor Nigel Bowen says it was important to buy the whole package of properties so there was no place for a new gang to set up shop. He says the council is planning to clear the sites before putting them up for sale as soon as possible. All costs from the transaction and sale of the land are expected to be recovered. So we've done some of the, those sort of due diligence things behind the scenes uh, which meant when we could uh, and did purchase um, that we could move quite quickly and um, you know demolish the building at the same time. There was about 100 odd people on the day and they were loving it. And the amount of uh, texts and emails and responses we've had from the community uh, and the joke is, you know, how, how, can, how can local government move so fast? Um, and it was, nice, it was nice to be able to do something, um, you know, really positive uh, for our community. And we knew that the risk, if we didn't move quickly, was that this uh, new gang, the rebels, would get entrenched in our community uh, we've heard, uh, you know, from police and others, had they been entrenched, you'd see, you know, methamphetamine use uh, skyrocket. And we knew that if we left it too long, that they would, uh, you know, probably uh, force uh, the owners to sign over the properties. So this was a an opportune moment because of the takeover that you were able to wedge yourself in there. If the devil's henchmen that had been there for a while, if they'd just stayed there, if that hadn't happened, would you have tried to get rid of them too, or were they they a sort of benign presence? Yeah, look, very much so. That look, they were a presence back in the eighties, uh, but uh, but not now. They they weren't you know high risk to the community. They're not uh, of the level that you're seeing things you know happen across the country at the moment. So we knew that the you know the rebels were a, a whole other level and. And, you know, we talk about gangs, but realistically, these are, you know, organised criminals. Uh, you know, there's a pyramid and they need to, um, you know, sell drugs to uh, send the money to wherever it needs to go. So if they were entrenched, it was just a whole lot, another level of gang activity that we certainly weren't used to, you know, haven't seen in our community uh, for a long time. So say, going back 30 years, say, how would you have described Timaru in relation to gangs? Was it gang free? Has it always been a gang town? Well, you know, there's some a bit of a hangover probably from the 80s in the fact that um, there was two gangs, as I said, described the the Devil's Henchmen and the and the Road Knights, and there was some activity in the 80s and early 90s, and some across the country would still say, you know, that they remember those days, but we haven't had any issues for, you know, decades. Um, but the difference between those gangs, they were all local 
you know, people, the um, local area commander that recently retired, he said, you know, these guys are all my age. They should be at home with their slippers on sort of scenario. <laughs> but the, the ones that were coming in, you know, they're not local people. Um, they weren't coming. I, you know, I, I, I say to people, hey, they're not coming here to, you know, build playgrounds. They're coming here for one reason, and that's to sell methamphetamine to our people. And unfortunately, because where we are, we're the centre of the South Island. Uh, you know, it's a it's a great place to do business, but it's probably also a great uh, location um, to be able to um, move drugs around. There's Queenstown Market, which rel- is relatively close. You've got uh, Christchurch up the road. We've got a port uh, where there's a lot of containers coming in. We've got an easy airport that you know that that um, you know there's no drug dogs and things like that as well in the domestic setting. So you know it's an easy place to bring drugs into. So Nigel, how did you get the whole council behind you, not just to move so quickly, but to decide that this was your bailiwick? I mean, a lot of people would say, "What's well, you know, we can't do anything about it." They have the property; it's the police's job, etc. Yeah, look, I've always been of the view, and you know, I, I think it's a bit of a cop out. A lot of people will say, "Hey, you know, it's it's the police's problem," and and if we all took that attitude, uh, then we're never going to get anywhere. And and I view this response as you know what I call an all of community response. And you know, council, we decided we um, could take a role, and we're lucky that you know. All the elected members were very much on the same page in this response. Um, and, you know, police are running parallel and they, uh, you know, were doing their operation as well because they, um, you know, had, had concerns. And then, you know, community supported as well. We had businesses on the day, you know, really bend over backwards to do asbestos checking, um, you know, to turn the water off, turn the power off, to get in with the digger and knock it over. Um, and, and we did that really quickly because we were concerned that, hey, had the building still been there, that these guys would, would have came back and we had all indications that they would. Mm. So I guess we're looking at a community that's got together, as you say, to excise an outside influence. Had that gang pad still been in the hands of the locals, would there have been the motivation to do so much about it? Uh, no, n- not at all. I mean, our indications, and we'd worked closely with police on this, and, and you know, they had said, you know, they're, they're just a gang that you don't want, Uh it's just a whole nother level of crime that a community like ours is just not used to. Uh, you know, if we can act now, and I've got to say, all credit to police, they did a great job uh, as well. And, you know, if you can act now and keep them out, then uh, that's the opportunity. I, I mean, I'm quite real to the fact that, hey, they're still going to, um, you know, we're still a market. And, you know, where there's a market, uh, these gangs will uh, try and come back. Um but, you know, at least we're sending a strong message uh, and hopefully we'll get support of uh, police and, and government to, um, you know, to keep them out. Since you've made this bold move, what's been the reaction of your peers, other mayors from around the place? Oh, look, uh, only support. I haven't heard any negative comment. Our communities, uh, you know, fully are supportive. And I think, you know... We don't, it's something within local government, it's not necessarily with our mandate um, and it's not something we think of every day. But if you look at the community harm and some of the groups I'm involved or, involved with, you know, you've got uh, pea babies coming through the education system now. Um, I talked to a family um, over the Christmas period that I know really well and, uh, you know, they've had a, a 30-year-old that cannot get meth out of his, uh, you know, system and, and it's just pulled their 
family to bits and understanding that harm that methamphetamine can do you to your community, even if you're not seeing, seeing gangs on the streets as you are in other regions across the country, uh, the level of harm that they're causing is still there. And so, you know, as a community locally and as a community and, you know, wider community across the country, we all need to do our part to keep them out. You know, there's an opportunity, especially with the proliferation that you're seeing up north. We don't want that to come south. And so, you know, what can we all do to work together to to keep these people out? And I, you know, I, I get frustrated when people talk about these, um, you know, gangs. They're part of our community. They're, you know, they're whānau, they're family and all those sorts of things. Well, my response to that is actually take your patch off and be a part of the community. Uh, you know, get a job. Uh, as soon as you can prove to me, and I would put the onus on them, if you can prove to me that you're not dealing in methamphetamine that is just ruining our communities, then I'll give you a chance. But until until you can prove that, I'm sorry, I, I have a zero tolerance for gangs. Not every single gangster deals methamphetamine. Sure. Um, not every single gangster is a part of an organised criminal group. The Kupu 501s is not our Kupu. The kupu gang is not our kupu either. They are our whānau. However, what we need to be able to understand and separate is that there'll be a group of of those that will continue to do what they do in in our communities. But there is a group, um, and a large group of whānau uh, within this space, um, that are looking and reaching out for change. We'll just continue to help those that want to be helped. We can't help those that are not ready. Um, I can't and I, and I will never, ever tolerate um, any form of drug being pushed into our communities, uh, nor will I um, align myself to that crap. There's a group that won't court it all, nor will they come into the circle to talk about transformation because they're not ready for it. What we, what we can do is help those that are ready for their change. And I tell you right now, it's like a tsunami. So, two towns and two very different stories. But one thing both agree on is that social investment is the key to solving these issues. We are dealing with four generations of gang. These children are born into it. They are conceived into it. The issue is not the gang. The issue is the behaviour. And we all have a duty of care and responsibility to mitty-mitty that process to ensure that we can encourage good positive behaviour rather than some of the behaviours that society uh, may see as um, abnormal or intimidating. So there's a lot of work going on in that space. But just remember, these are people that have been left to the edge of society where no one's actually really cared for them. Look, I, I, I'm quite real. It's not just being uh, tough on crime, and obviously we're in election year, so there's you know some a lot of conversations happening in this place. But you know, until we get the mix right, where we have that social investment. Uh, you know, investment in ed- education. I was having a conversation earlier today whereby, you know, the literacy numbers within gang associates and, and gang members, a lot of these people can't read and write. It's the basics. So um, there's a lot of work to be done. And, and look, I don't want to be, you know, shifting the problem from one community to another at all. Um, but I'm invest in a, uh, invested in a solution. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. 
Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Tika Hautu Maxwell, Wa Tahithcote, and Nigel Bowen. Kakite Anno.